Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast, and we're finishing the week with some pretty big news. Unai Emery has been sacked by Arsenal, and that is, of course, at the top of our agenda today. I've got Marley Anderson over there. Hello. And as always, when there's big Arsenal news, we seem to end up with Fergal Brennan in the studio today. Hello, Fergal. Hello. Right. Um, can, before we get going, you sum up your feelings about the Spaniards' departure with a noise? Well, imagine this is sixth form drama class now. I want a noise that sums up your emotions today. Marley, I know this is going to be a big noise from Fergal, so you can go first. You can have your <laughs> oh, do I have to do yeah, this? Yeah, oh, I thought you were just talking to Fergal, nah. and I was like, ha, gutted, mate. <laughs> I want a noise from <laughs> And then from you're coming to you. me. Meh. Meh. Well, Marley's not bothered. Fergal? Uh, I'll probably go a, a bit higher than that and go, oh! <laughs> right, we'll put some flesh. Can you tell I wasn't an actor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll put some flesh in the bones of those noises very shortly. Plus, we've got a load of other stuff to cover off on today's podcast as well. Manchester United have finally proved that you can't win anything with kids in Kazakhstan. They lost last night in the Europa League. And before that big deadline as well, we've got some solid gold fantasy football advice from our fantasy football Premier League guru, Kieran, that'll be right at the end of the podcast. So if you don't care about proper football, you can just fast forward to that bit and get the fantasy football advice. But first, Arsenal, 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 Arsenal. Don't ever change with your chaotic goings on. Fergal, you're the Arsenal fan. The news is <coughs> Emery's been sacked. Yep. What's your reaction? Um, multiple. Uh, I think it's the right decision. I think it's the sensible decision. I think it's the inevitable decision. Um, I think we were chatting about it before we started recording that the Frankfurt result, as, as rubber stamped it, mm. uh, had Arsenal won against Frankfurt last night or even got the point that they needed to to qualify for the next round of the Europa. I think he might have been given the Norwich game this weekend um, simply out of almost practicality of it being such a short turnaround, but that hasn't been the case. And the Frankfurt game, it's kind of disappointing that the Frankfurt game will be his legacy. Yes, he's been struggling for some time, but last night was horrendous on so many levels, the performance, 
the attitude of the players, the application of, of what Emery's trying to do, and the fans. Um, I mentioned to you before we started recording, you know, I've seen bigger fans at League One, League Two games, mm. and, and that's no disrespect to those clubs, but that was the reality. The, the amount of empty seats at the Emirates, and I know Marley's probably going to say what's new there, but yeah. it was this was another level last night. We're talking about almost entire stands completely empty. This is just the result of a creeping inevitability, though, isn't yeah. it? He lost the dressing room, he lost the fans, he started to lose the board, and then this result is just the final straw of many straws that yeah. eventually broke the camel's back. Yeah, and that's exactly it. As I say, inevitable is the word. I think this is a decision that could and should have been made a few weeks ago. When you look at the results, we haven't won a game in the last seven. Um, that's that's telling in terms of where he's been going of late and where the players have been going of late. But there's a combination of factors here and, and it comes back to decision making. Right the way through the club, there's been poor decisions made or no decisions made. The decision to appoint him wasn't scrutinised. The decision to retain him at various different stages last season wasn't scrutinised. The decision to retain him after losing the Europa League final and mm. our only realistic route into the Champions League for this season wasn't scrutinised. And then he himself, in terms of the captaincy group, making Shaka captain, taking the captaincy off him, saying he wasn't going to play again, bringing him back, making a Bamiyan captain, the Ozil situation. Right the way through, it's just a lit a litany of, of missed decisions, missed chances to make any sort of a decisive um, choice on anything, be that team selection, transfers, how the club's run, the hierarchy, etc., etc., etc. And I think that everybody right the way across the club needs to hold their hands up and take a real look at themselves because the toxicity around the situation hasn't been created by Emre. That's been created by the club, and by that I mean the board, the ownership, by the supporters who do have to take a real look at themselves in terms of the way they've treated Emery, whether his abilities have been poor or he's been unsuitable for the position, the way that he's been treated by huge sections of the Arsenal support has been a disgrace. And the players. You said there before the whole idea of losing the dressing room. I think that's dead on. But to lose a dressing room, you almost have to want to be lost. And Mm. I think that's the case with many, many senior players at Arsenal. What about Marley, the decision... Talk about the poor decision-making. What about the decision to make this call on a Friday morning? Just before you're playing a game. Is it Saturday, the Norwich Sunday. game? Sunday, the Norwich game. So you've got a, a day to prepare, essentially. Yeah. Uh, well, the you mentioned before the, the straw that broke the camel's back uh, was the Frankfurt result. Well, the that is a pattern because Frankfurt beat Bayern Munich 5-1. And the day later, they sacked Niko Kovac, <laughs> and then they went and beat Arsenal two one. So basically, if you lose to Frankfurt, you need to have you know, you're gonna have your P forty five in the morning. Dun, dun. But you expected it really. Though. Yeah, I'm just Newcastle are lining up a mid season friendly with Frankfurt <laughs> just to get rid of Steve Bruce. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Fergal's right with the the toxicity. There's a lot of problems at that club, and to sack him. With a with a short turnaround tells you how how bad it is. Like they've just thought, why give him the Norwich defeat? Like if you lose to Norwich and they're bottom of the league mm. or second bottom, um, it just makes the whole thing worse. So I why not? Beating, why not enjoy that? Beating new Norwich money? was never going to be the thing that saved him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what was the point in giving him the game? It, it's it's a nothing game. So why not? Why not win it with that new manager bounce? Like Freddie Lundberg. Arsenal will beat Norwich uh, on Sunday. I think it'll be, it'll be just 
as you see every time when a manager who's been clinging onto his job for a while goes, it's just a clean slate, mm. and you get the best out of what you've got because the players are reinvigorated. They they like it. It'll maybe be a similar kind of a thing with with Chelsea with Lampard, like a club legend at the club. Like Freddie Lundberg was amazing for Arsenal in the in the late nineties and early two thousands, and he was. We don't know about him as a coach, but short term that won't matter. Long term, if they go for him, which I'm sure we'll move on to later. If they go for him long term, then he might not be the man who he might, he might not. But short term, you don't need much. You just need right something new. Everyone start again. Everyone gets another chance, and that'll be fine. We're going to bring in the thoughts of another Arsenal fan now. We've got Michael from US podcast and blog. You are my Arsenal. How are you, Jim? I'm good, thanks, mate. We were talking a little bit ago about the lack of Arsenal fans that were in the Emirates for the Europa game last mm-hmm. night. There were a few in there. And I did spot that some of them were holding a banner up and the banner read, I'm just trying to find it in front of me, it said, Emery out, no tactics, no formation, nowhere to hide. Does that kind of yeah. sum up Emery's tenure at Arsenal? Oh, I think Emery's, that, 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 that's part of it. I think the inability to recognise talent, to develop players, to put players in positions to be successful, um, I think, yeah, no tactics, n- no communication. It, it all kind of lends itself to a man being completely mismatched to the job. You were one of the prominent uh, bloggers or plom- prominent fan groups that were lobbying the board for a few months back for a serious change in the direction of the football club. Mm-hmm. Do you finally think that with this move and with the slightly loosening of the purse strings you're being listened to now? I, I I think it, you know, I think when we talked about uh, we care to you back this summer in July, when we, when that letter first came out, um, I, 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 I think I said something to the effect that the, the player, the transfers was only one step. There are a whole lot of other components to this. I think it still remains to be seen how this leadership team under Raul and uh, Vinay and and then even um, now Edu handle this because I've been been saying this, that they got the Emory appointment wrong Mm. and they, we, we as a club, I keep saying we can't afford to be out in the wilderness of the champions league too much longer. We, we just, uh, and look, I know people say, well, you, you Arsenal supporters expect too much. Well, we, we have high expectations. You know, if you got anything from the Wenger years, it was we have high expectations for this club. And I don't think Arsenal can can stand being out of that wilderness too long. So they really have to get this appointment right. Will that appointment go a long way if if they to, to kind of improving things, yeah, but I, there's obviously a lot of other things that are out there. The fan engagement, uh, the supporter engagement, um, you know, committing to a long-term vision for the club, that kind of stuff. Uh, safe standing, ticket prices, all that. It's all part and parcel, but, you know, obviously the most tangible results are player transfers, which looked positive in the summer, mm-hmm. and also the managerial appointment. So, uh, I it, it, it can improve things, but it's not. It's only part and parcel. Uh, it's only part of the uh, total. Who is total the right? Package. Who is the right choice then? Who do they <laughs> appoint to get it right? Freddie Lundberg's in there on a temporary basis. We know that, and we know he's very popular with the players. 
at Arsenal currently. He's got that kind of old boy status. Is he the man to take charge? Or do you look to a Mikel Arteta from City? Do you look to a Diego Simeone from Atletico? Uh, I'm a Julian Julian Nagelsmann fan, so that would be my preferred choice. Um, I think he is probably the brightest, youngest talent in in, in the managerial universe right now. Um, He has – I've been saying that the next Arsenal manager has to blend man management with tactical acumen, and I think Nagelsmann does that. However, I'm a realist, and I know that he just started his tenure at uh, Leipzig, and he is going to be given everything that he wants to kind of turn Leipzig into uh, a Bundesliga winner, and he's doing a fantastic job with them in the Champions League. So Mm. with that, I'm not as risk-averse as a lot of people are in terms of the managerial appointment. Um following the Bundesliga a little bit, I like their mold of not being afraid to appoint coaches, first-team coaches from, say, youth setups or reserve setups. So to me and Arteta, I know every a lot of people are thinking Arteta hasn't managed anywhere, but he's gotten some of the best tutelage that you could ever want. So I'm okay. I'd be okay there. I, my my personal opinion is that they're going to try and give Freddie as long as they can, because if they can get Freddie to kind of right the ship, he's not only auditioning for the job, but it at least opens up the coaching pool to more options mm-hmm. this summer. Um, so I, I, honestly, I'm more of the I, I want a younger um, manager for this. I, I, I that's kind of where my mind is. Because I think the game is not for the like the Ancelotti types that we've been hearing about. Um, I'm I'm not even completely sold on Allegri as as a potential option, though I think I'd probably be fine with Allegri if we were appointed. But I, I'm leaning more towards the younger risk option, which means I'm probably thinking Arteta. You know, as as my if I really sat down and really tried to think about what I want, I'd probably go with Arteta. I think there's a bit of movement now in football to people taking chances on younger, fresher managers with different ideas at the moment. Who would you have, Fergal, as an Arsenal fan? If you could wave your magic (laughs) wand and get one of the Arsenal options that board to plump for a certain option, who would you be going for? I think, given the options on the table, my pick would be Allegri. Um, and I think in terms of Bucky's, I think he's the favourite at the moment. Um, I get get what we've been talking about in this idea of, yeah, there's, there's more... Uh, inclination to go for younger coaches and, and give chances and, and, and have patience. But I think in the situation that Arsenal are in now, and, and Mike nailed it there before, of Arsenal are not Manchester United. Manchester United can survive a bit longer in that wilderness that he mentioned. Mm. Arsenal can't. As much as Arsenal fans might like to convince themselves that they can, they can't. They don't have the global appeal that Manchester United have and they don't have the branding appeal that Manchester United have. So because of that, this appointment needs to be absolutely spot on there's absolutely no room for error and I think when you look at someone like Allegri the the argument we've made oh yeah but he had this at Juventus and he had this at Juventus my point with Allegri is I'd actually look to what he did at Milan before he went to Juventus Mm -hmm. which was he came into a Milan side that hadn't won the league in over a decade disclaimer here I'm not saying if Allegri comes in that Arsenal are going to win the league (laughs) in the near future but what he, what he has got is he's got an ability to go to, here's an established side that have been successful. I will bring you back to the table. Because for me, that's the, that's the burning mm. issue at Arsenal now. 
How do we get Arsenal back into a position? Not that they're necessarily winning the league because we have to be realistic. We've got the two best teams that the Premier League have seen in over a decade at the moment. But they have to be a certainty for the Champions League conversation. And very, very few other managers offer that. Mm. And I'm also wary and aware that it's unlikely to get a manager from another club, or even if it's an assistant like Arteta, mid-season. It's going to be incredibly yeah. difficult to, to get that over the line. Someone like Allegri is available, but it wouldn't be a, a decision out of desperation. He's got the CV to do it. But that, that's the issue that needs to be addressed, and decisions have been gotten wrong at Arsenal for some time. Finally, someone needs to go, this is the problem, let's think of a viable solution to solving that problem, instead of just thrashing around in the water and hoping for the best. Never put it past Arsenal to make another bad decision. You, you think <laughs> no. they've, they're out of bad decisions. They always oh, ye have so much faith. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate your thoughts. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. And you can find more from Michael at youaremyarsenal.com. Marley. Yeah. Is the new Arsenal manager, I'm deliberately not asking this one to Fergal, just going to have the same problems again and again and again? <laughs> because ultimately, it's the same club. There's a toxic <clears throat> atmosphere. I mean... Emery has some supremely talented players, but they're supremely talented players that don't all fit together in the same system. You could probably play, if you go right, the, the four best players at Arsenal, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil. And Chambers. <laughs> and Pepe, potentially, at some point in the future. Yeah. If you, if, you if you play Lacazette and Aubameyang in their preferred positions, then you can't fit Pepe in the team. If you yeah. play Pepe and Lacazette and Aubameyang... Aubameyang, you can't fit. It's it's a really difficult situation for any manager, isn't it? Yeah. um, But when you're you're approaching a new manager, they should do their due diligence by looking at the squad and looking at the situation and looking at the players and the tactics and the morale and the problems that have preceded the other manager being sacked and be prepared to sort them out and have a plan before they sign the contract. Mm-hmm. For example, Allegri's out of contract. Allegri's the favourite. He's got no compensation to be paid to another club. He looks like, at the minute, the 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 most open goal for Arsenal. Like to, They could just literally go and get him. They could have him in by Norwich. He could watch the Norwich game from the stand and then he could take over on Monday morning. So if they went for someone like him, him they have to know that he has a... They have to lay everything on the table and say, look... Pepe's not hit his best form. Um, we've got Xhaka, who's still a problem, um, might want to leave. We've got Ozil, explain whatever whatever the hell's going on with him to the new guy. And they have to be satisfied that he has a plan to sort everything out, as well as tactics mm-hmm. and a, long, a longer-term vision, a mid-to-long-term vision to get Arsenal back where they want to be, which is minimum top six, ideally, obviously, Champions League. And they need someone strong who can sort that out because... For me, where Emery went wrong, I I don't I don't think he's a bad manager. I just think he's too nice. And when you come to England, that's why they need Simeone. Exactly, he's a right. Oh God, imagine <laughs> that's what brilliant. I mean. He'd be perfect. He would. He, he would, would be literally. Perfect. He would get Ozil doing slide tackles in his own box. <laughs> yeah, swear down in training. Yeah, in, tra- in training. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they need they need a disciplinarian. They need someone to come in, even if they only last a year and they run out of tactics, at least they'll change the mentality around the club. And that is one of the shorter-term problems that, that can be fixed. We'll have to wait and see who gets the job at Arsenal. I think this puts a little bit of pressure, before we move on, on some of the other clubs that are looking for new managers at the moment. So your West Ham's and your Everton, who are going to see the likes of 
And although they're fishing in a slightly different pool to Arsenal, I think even the most optimistic Everton West Ham fan would admit that they're probably looking at a slightly different calibre of manager. It could push them into that decision mm. where they're going, well, look, if the other club, because Everton and West Ham are probably going for similar names, similar names are being linked with those jobs, Eddie Howe, David Moyes, inexplicably. So one of them is probably going to make a call before the other to get first dibs as it was. So who's, yeah. your, who's your money on? Who's going to go first? Is it going to be Silver or is it going to be Pellegrini? So, uh, I think Silver. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, yeah, I think, I think with West Ham, obviously you're a West Ham fan, Jim. And you maybe know a bit more about it than me. Doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've knew you for a year and I doubted as well. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, Pellegrini's, there is some sort of reason behind why Pellegrini's not doing well at the minute. Yeah. And it and it ultimately comes down to the fact that he hasn't got his goalkeeper. Mm. Yeah. You, how many points would you have got in the last five games if, if you had your first, time, first choice goalkeeper in probably four, five points maybe? You wouldn't have conceded three against Newcastle, which is the game that... Do you know what it's like mind? at the moment at West Ham with this scenario? You know <laughs> when you play five a side and the opposition has a proper keeper and yeah. you and your mates are just taking it in turns to go yep. in net yep. and every shot they score, that's West Ham at the moment. Yep. It's like we haven't got a proper keeper. Fully agree with he's, that. He's so bad that on a Saturday afternoon when I'm, when I'm covering games, I'll hear how West Ham are getting on and I'll be either reading live text or listening to on, on the radio to how Roberto's been performing. And every week I think... They're hanging them out to dry here. It can't it can't be that bad. Now I'll go home and I'll watch highlights or watch match of the day, and it's yeah. just wow. Like there's, it's almost like he's never played in goal before. Mm. The amount of like the whole thing of shots going through him. They, he's like, like a, a, he's I, like a I, ghost I'm gonna, I'm in a goalie. I'm going to stop this now because it's just making me depressed. And I want to <laughs> yeah. talk about how bad a goalkeeper Roberto is again. Yeah. What do you make of the David Moyes thing for Everton and West oh. Ham? It seems like a bizarre choice, particularly for West Ham. It makes a little bit of sense at Everton still, but I it's thought the whole point in baffling. the last five years was they were supposed to have moved on from the David Moyes era. But I think what Everton are doing now, and again, on the subject of clubs making bad decisions, they're almost winding the clock back 18 months, two years ago, where there was this idea of, oh, the project manager, Martinez, then followed on by Koeman, wasn't working. We'll get Big Sam in because we might go down. Everybody panic. Big Sam came in and steered them away from relegation, which never existed, and then left on a huge wage, on a huge compensation package, and just, you know, <laughs> exited stage left from Goodison Park. What's happening now is they brought in uh, Marco Silva, which we're not going to get into. I don't really know why they went from in the first place, but they brought him in as this idea of a project manager, a bit more of a long-term manager. That's not working. We need to get someone else in. And it's just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, mm. rinse, repeat. I dread to think that when, if Moyes comes in, does okay, then they bring in, I don't know, Nuno Santo, Eddie Howe, someone like that, and then they fail. Who, in, in let's say 2021, 2022, who on earth are they going to bring in? Ron Atkinson? Maybe someone like that? <laughs> An just aging to, David Moyes takes his fifth tenure. <laughs> I cannot wait to see who that's going to be. I think we were talking about this earlier, that there's certain managers and they are your Sam Allardyce's and David Moyes. The old boys club. That, yeah, it doesn't seem to matter how bad their previous appointments go. Mm. They always seem to turn up into that little mix. And I coined a phrase yesterday, the Teflon football manager, yeah. where nothing sticks to them at all. I think Marco Silva might be a Teflon manager because he had the poor, well, the reasonable spell at Hull, actually. He got them relegated, but they didn't play badly. Everton started well, dropped off dramatically, went to Everton. It's gone terribly wrong. I think he'll pop up in the Premier League again 
with another job after this. I might, I think he might be end up in that mix, even though he's not English. And Teflon managers do tend to be English. Yeah, yeah. I think a little bit of a spell away, be it at a Championship club or be it abroad. Yeah, I do think so. And and again, it's it's inexplicable, just as it is with the the collection of England manager English managers that you just mentioned. No one can explain this to me. No one can explain why when you know when you hold their numbers up and you hold the performances of their teams up. There's absolutely no reason why. It's a fascinating subject because there's not really an answer to it as it stands. We're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about another manager under pressure, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, although he seems to be off the radar slightly at the moment due to the terrible performances from other managers in the league. But the results last night in Kazakhstan will not have helped that one bit. We'll talk about Manchester United's loss last night and we'll talk about fancy football. We'll get some tips from the guru. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Don't forget, Saturday mornings, there is a full preview show looking ahead to all the Premier League action from the weekend. If you subscribe to this podcast, you will get that show in your inbox as soon as it's ready. But first, let us talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. Questionable form at Old Trafford, but he doesn't seem to be under as much pressure as maybe other managers in the league right now. Although, that might not have been helped last night by the loss in Kazakhstan to Astana, which was essentially a dead game, didn't matter, and Solskjaer took the choice to play the kids, to use a cliche. Mm. Was it the right choice? Looking back on it, I know they lost 2-1, and that is an embarrassing result for Manchester United to lose a game for a club like Manchester United, to lose any game to a club like Astana. But at the same time, it was a dead game. It means to have fresh players for the weekend and it gave some of the younger members of the squad an opportunity to have first-team football. I just think it was a more damaging defeat than uh, the Man United fans are giving it credit for. As in, like we said on social media last night, I obviously I'm in charge of the sports social social media here, so I posted like it's a damaging result in Kazakhstan for Man United and people were replying like, yeah, but... It was a dead game, play the kids, does, literally doesn't matter, like, give them experience. But my point is, it's Solskjaer's, Solskjaer's whole philosophy is promoting the, the kids because they've got, uh, as United fans will tell you, they've got all these amazing kids in the academy. Mm. The 19, Chong, Gomez, Greenwood, Garner, all these all these players, Dylan Levitt, Ethan Laird, uh, Ham- Ethan Hamilton's out alone at, at Rochdale or Oldham, one, one of them two, I can never... I always get them mixed up, but you know we've got all these all these promising kids. All right, play them. All right, yeah, we will go to go all the way to Kazakhstan, go one 0 up, lose two one. I don't care how old you are uh, or how good people you say, you say you are. If you get that chance and you lose to the mm. Kazakh champions, you clearly aren't ready to come. Through. It's a very weird but, thing that, to throw every, like, normally when you blood youngsters into a team, as Arsenal did reasonably successfully in the Europa League, yeah. they kind of played three or four, and that was quite a lot. The average mm. starting age was 22 years and 56 days last night. Yeah. That's all the kids going at once. It, yeah. It's very and, unlikely it, that's going to go well. It was even more baffling that the, so it was essentially the under-23s team, basically. And who's the under-23s manager? Nicky Butt. Who didn't go to Kazakhstan? Nicky Butt. He didn't go, so it was a it was Solskjaer trying to manage kids. Yes, he knows about them, but does he know as, as much as Nicky Butt, who spends six days a week on the training pitch? No, he doesn't. Mm. So fa- fair enough, play them. They've lost. He doesn't know much about them. 
all he knows now is that they weren't good enough to beat the Kazakh champions. And I know I'm sort of talking down Astana here, but so what? Like, I'm, They're not a good team. They had to go through four rounds of qualifying to get to the Europa League anyway. They're not a good side. If you're going to beat anyone, you should have beat them. Does Shoskar need some credit, though, for kind of it trying to introduce this development of youth and playing young players into the club's DNA again? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be, and Marley's dead right in terms of United fans telling you how many great young players they've got, but there's playing the kids and there's giving youth a chance, and then there's this team last night. I mean, I'm just reminding myself here, looking at the starting eleven. this isn't playing the kids, this is playing the babies. This isn't four or five young players playing in a Carabao Cup game. This is, as Marley said, this is the under-23s team with a couple of others thrown in. There was a brilliant tweet I saw last night about Lee Grant where he, he, someone said he looked like a Sunday league team where your dad's the manager. And that's exactly <laughs> what it was last night. That was his <laughs> first game in almost three years. Yeah. And how unfair yeah, is that on Grant. him as well? Like he's He's kind of been used as this weird... Uh, trivia question in terms of his place in the United <laughs> squad and then he gets playing in minus 10 in, in Astana last night and concedes two goals mm. I just think play the kids yes great bring them in get them first team football excellent but none of these players learn anything from last night's results there's there's very very little of takeaway from this because they don't come off the pitch thinking we've played well and lost because they didn't this isn't a situation whereby they played better than the result suggested it was two deflected goals but essentially and but it, they had decent chances but there as wasn't well, and good possession there wasn't like possession doesn't win games but you get my point but there wasn't perform- for example I, I i have to be honest i only watched patches of it before the arsenal game last night there was none of these young players that i watched last night and thought they should or could have a shout no. in the first team. And I'd include someone like Mason Greenwood in that, who has had a bit of first-team football. So in terms of what United fans and these young players learnt from that result, I would say very little. And now, as Marley said, what's going to happen is they're going to be maybe blacklisted for a few weeks because Solskjaer's going to go, right, well, I tried you, tested you, and this is what happened. Mm. So we've got loads of games over Christmas. You were potentially going to get 20 minutes or 30 minutes here and there. Now you're not. I mean, the good news is for Jesse Lingard, who looked really bright, scored a goal, and he might have finally found his level Yeah, uh, playing football is against Kazakhstani camp champions. Ast- <laughs> Captain uh, Jesse. Yeah. I think Astana are going to put in a 150 grand bid for him uh, in the January transfer window. Take it, Solskjaer, take it. Yeah, but I mean, going, <laughs> going back to the sort of performance, if hypothetically Man United had won, the question should be, how good are they because it was only Astana? Mm. Like... You know, you could. It's like it's like playing the kids against uh, in the first round, in the third round of the FA Cup. If you get a, a League Two team, the the question should be like, let's take uh, Ethan Led, highly rated, all about like fullback. You know, man, you've got problems at fullback, and they have done for a while now. Yeah. So it should be right. He's he's did he's did great there, but he's just contained uh, a Kazakh winger who's not really a a top player. So, so can you're, you're he can he go on anything from the experience? Yeah, can he go on and, and do it against a, a championship level player or, or even chuck him in for the last twenty minutes mm. of a Premier League game? He's just lost. He's just been part of the team that's lost to Astana. So you can't even say, well he was he was great in that game because they lost the game. Like they might play well individually, but then to then throw them into an, an entirely new team, which would be the Man United first team. Is just there's just so many more questions about all of them now. I guess if Manchester United turn up at Aston Villa on Sunday, look incredibly fresh, and play with energy and end up winning five 0 the whole decision has been justified. Maybe, 
But then if they lose the next week... That's a huge maybe. They're they're back to square one, aren't they, if they lose in midweek next week. The highlight of the trip to Kazakhstan, I don't think you've seen this video on social media of Ed Woodward in an Irish pub (laughs) in Kazakhstan, basically. Of course there's an Irish pub in Kazakhstan. There's an Irish pub everywhere. Obviously, English fans go straight to the Irish pub. But he's playing pool with some mates and a United fan goes over to him. Very respectfully, I thought, waits for him to take his shot and then basically has a little chat with him and then gives him a wet willy. And if you don't know what a wet willy is, it's when you... Don't Google it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't... Safe search on. Uh, finger in your mouth, make your finger wet, and you stick it in someone's ear, essentially, which I thought was a lovely little moment. Such, well, I... It's such a strange thing <laughs> to really do. Weird. weird. When you think of the issues that United fans have with Ed Woodward, and you think of how they would like to verbalise <laughs> that, or you think of issues that fans have, the issues Marley would have with Mike Ashley, would you in a million years want to put anything of yours in Mike Ashley? <laughs> <laughs> Just think about that. Absolutely not. not. I, I, I don't see how. I'd, this... I'd quite like to put my fist in his face. Yeah, yeah, but, and I could, but I could have that, seen that. Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's, a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one. And his face like afterwards I is like, a picture. I like the way yeah, that he's, he's like, "What just happened?" Like, <laughs> football fans are kind of trying to punish underperforming <laughs> football figureheads in childish ways. So Edward Wood has a wet willy. Maybe Marco Silva could have a wedgie. Mike Ashley could have a nipple twist. Pellegrini could Christ. have a Chinese bird you need, or something like that. You need two hands to get on his nipples. <laughs> I, thought, I, I like. If you haven't seen the video, have we posted it on the sports social Twitter account? Uh, no, we haven't because it's just it's just weird. <laughs> I mean, I can do. I can retweet it. I'll, yeah, well, I'll, we'll, I'll retweet. We'll post it there at the sports social. You can go and find that now. Let's wrap up the week then with a little bit of fantasy football chat, and we welcome a respectful silence, please, for the guru. Right, Kieran, are you ready for your questions? With, yeah. Blessed with your greatness, yeah. Kieran. I feel like I have to apologise for suggesting Holgate last week. Is that the silence? Well, oh, some, sometimes they're good shouts, sometimes they aren't good shouts. <laughs> uh, Kieran is our fantasy football guru. You can get your questions in via the Sports Social Twitter account, at the Sports Social. If you've got any last-minute questions for him as well, hopefully tomorrow morning, if he remembers, he will be taking over the Sports Social Twitter account and you can mm. ask your questions directly there. Before we get into the questions, Marley, you had something you wanted to mention? Uh, yeah, so Kieran decided to step up to the challenge last night and take me on at a game of table tennis. And he's, he's laughing his head off now because he lost 11-1. 11-1. 11-1. Yeah. Anything it, to say in your defence, Kieran? It was going well before then. What did you win? <laughs> was it 1-0 yeah. at one stage? No, yeah. we, we, were, we were a doubles team and we pretty much cleaned up the entire place. And then he was like, right, who's better? And then Kieran went around the other side of the table and I was just like, bang, bang. Bang. Yeah, I have to say the lighting was different on the other side of the table. <laughs> it's a very dark. It's always venue. the way, though. Yeah, it's always the way. That's one of the main. It's a racing driver excuse. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get into these questions to save Kieran's embarrassment. Greg Barker on Twitter says, "What's the best time to use your bench boost?" Hmm. So uh, I I have this advice with all the chips really, barring your wild card. Obviously, you get a refresh in the new year. Mm. Um, but it's it's always it's always later in the year. Uh, all of your chips are really about optimizing um, the best possible moment, and that's normally when you have uh, the potential to get twice the points you normally do. So it's towards the end of the season when you start to get rearranged fixtures against clashing cup, cup games, and you start to get big teams um, doubling up on game weeks. Uh, so you expect the the Chelsea's and the the Spurs and the Liverpool's and the Man City of the world to progress quite far into cups, and then suddenly they have to play twice in a week. It's right. normally doubled up against the smaller teams as well, because obviously you can't clash on the bigger ones. So you tend to leave your triple captains and your bench boosts until you've secured those weeks, so you can use them for players like Sterling and Salah and. Um, say the, the year just gone um, we had a scenario where you had a double game week followed by a restricted game week where only half the teams played that went straight into a double game week 
So if you had all of your chips left at that point, you would use your wild card prior to your double game week to make sure you had a team full of people who were going to play twice. Yep. Then bench boost into your first week, understanding that all of those players are then probably injury free because you only just shifted them in. Uh, you then get double points on all of them because they should all play twice. You go into your restricted game week, you play your free hit to change your team for one week only. Um, moving on to teams that are playing at least once, where most of the p- teams aren't, particularly the ones that are playing twice. And then you're moving back into your full double team into the following game week, in which you play triple captain against uh, one of your star performers who are due um, two games in that game week. Excellent advice. And, and all of those chips, you're then doubling your points, where otherwise you'll go in and say, a, a guy who has a good fixture, who's going into a week where they but still might blank. And so you really, it's about hedging your bets. So don't get twitchy. In other words, wait till no. March. Yeah, yeah, March like earliest, really. Um, as, as soon as you start to get a clear picture of how the back end of the season is shaping up. Because uh, by, by February, March, you should know who's into sort of uh, semifinals, quarterfinals, and where those are going to land, like at which uh, game weeks explicitly. Uh, sometimes you only find out like a week in advance, but you start to get an idea of when and where the, the probability of those lands. Good shout. I always thought the bench booster was really useless as well, but that puts that into some kind of use. So I like mm. that. Yeah, right. but there are a good number of people who use it on the first game week because you've brought in a new team and so you expect mm. all of them are going to play. I did uh, that a few years ago and it yeah. was a horrific mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was but, a terrible mistake. Yeah, at that point, you have no idea what a firm lineup is like. You yeah. know, th- you, there could be a lot of surprises and there often are on the first mm. game day. So we say leave it in the long run. Right. Helen's next. She says, It's official. I'm wild carding this weekend. <laughs> What am I must have three players to squeeze into my team? Uh, always difficult one to answer because I don't know who else you have in your team. Well, if you're wildcarding, it doesn't matter. You yeah. start with the three big ones and you can build from there. Can't oh, you? that's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, Just that's... to ask, a wildcard is a full, you can have a full overhaul. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the wildcard is you can <laughs> make. We just need to can... refresh <laughs> yeah. 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 In wildcards, you can make as many transfers as you, week, as you want within a week and they're all free. Well, I'm just going to quickly log into my yeah. account. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I'm assuming everyone's going to go with template teams at the moment. So if we ignore, say, the 10 most um, most owned players, uh, who do you think is the most owned player, by the by the way, Mane. in the league? Manning. Or Sterling. Lundstrom. James Madison. Abraham. Wow. Abraham, Abraham okay. is the most I've owned player. His, I've had him since day one. Mm-hmm. He was an early pick for me. Uh, yeah, I got him a bit late. I was about six, I think, and they kept him ever since. Uh, so Abraham, L- Lundstrom, Vardy, De Bruyne, Mane, Van Dijk, Sterling, Mount, Alexander-Arnold and Madison in that order are the Ooh. 10 most owned players. Did you know Mohamed Salah in there? Yeah, yeah, he's out. As I said the other week, he's become a sort of differential, somehow mm. the most expensive player in the game, top go- uh, point scorer across last year. Um, he's a rogue pick. Wow. Um, so I, I tried to find three options that were in that bracket, assuming okay. that everyone's already going to those guys already. Um, and with players, as I say before, I tend to look over the next five game weeks. It's not about the game week to come. Otherwise, you might start looking at players like um, Jesus, who with Aguero injured, mm. uh, given a starting date of 15th of December, it gives him three good games to roll into. Uh, so I picked out three of them, um, all below uh, 20% ownership. One of them on 3% ownership, so it might give Ooh. you a bit of differential. But see if you can guess just by the percentages. So... Uh, defender, fourteen percent ownership. Who do you think I've gone for? Give us a club. Well, then you'll. Know. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Lundstrom. Lundstrom. Okay. Well, he's in the top ten. So oh, was he? Sorry, sorry, sorry. But, um, <laughs> Luca Dean for Everton. A uh, good pick. Ooh. Anyone else? I'd say Sunju, but I think he's higher than that. Mm. Yeah. 
Okay, well, uh, Chilwell, I've oh. gone for. 40%, so you've gone okay. for the big team. You've yeah. gone for the right team. Uh, so across the last six game weeks, 11 chances created, five of those being big chances. That puts him third amongst all defenders. Leicester had the fifth best shots conceded on target across the last six game weeks and have conceded the least out of any teams with only three. So fantastic pick for clean sheets, mm. but also going to get it up there in goal creation as well. Next five games, Everton, Watford, Villa, Norwich, and then City at the end. So great luck at those up on Leicester players. Across. Yeah, so Leicester players, Leicester defenders, um, as you said, so Leicester you. attackers, Leicester midfielders. <laughs> yeah, anyone Brendan, in that If you can get bracket. Brendan Rodgers in there, do that as well. <laughs> yeah, me, I've already got three Leicester players, Same. so I can't get any more in. Okay, so that's um, one. Tip. So that's one. So we go to the midfield now. I've picked uh, our 3% midfielder. I think if you can guess who he is. Uh, Ooh, I've, got a, I've got a guess. Uh-huh. Dwight McNeil. Okay, interesting one. I was going to say Tielemans, but it's not because you said we're, we're steering away from Leicester. Neil's done a lot um, of this, isn't he? Hmm. Um, Halmutinho, maybe? No? Halmutinho, okay, interesting pick. Um, I said this one last week, and I'm sticking by my guns with him. <laughs> it's Willian. Willian. Only I've got him 3%. in my draft team. Yeah, only 3% ownership, which is far lower than I thought. Um, he's, he's the rock in the midfield. Um, of, of Chelsea where there's a lot of rotation in other positions he stands first for chances created across the last six game weeks created 18 with four of those being big chances he's fifth for shots in the box with 11 um, and the only reason I wouldn't bring William is he might go for um, oh I think is a riskier pick but his underlines look fantastic Pulisic Pulisic's yeah, on him. 17% he has more shots on target than any other midfielder in the game across the last um, six game weeks and he hasn't started every game so as I said well, last week as well yeah. if he really locks that position mm-hmm. he's going to be absolute dynamite I like to play it a little bit safer so I'll go William particularly 3% if he starts to rock in you're really making a difference in your league um, our games West Ham Aston Villa Everton Bournemouth and Spurs off the back so another great run of games coming up and then to finish it off with a striker 17% ownership so you can guess who he is Ashley Barnes Mm-hmm. Good Chris, choice. Chris Wood. I wonder whether it's someone a bit more. It's like a Martial, maybe. Uh, no, Martial is um, a midfielder in the game, so oh, it doesn't yeah, as a striker. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I went for Jimenez at 17%. Uh, finally, has his shooting boots on. Everyone had him basically in their game week one team, it, it, assuming that he was going to extend his amazing form from last season yeah. obviously that Europa kind of action really threw him wasn't really getting to grounds but he now finds himself um, at first position for shots in the box with 19 across the last six game weeks 10 of those on target which puts him second only after Vardy uh, next run of games is Sheffield United uh, West Ham Brighton Spurs and then Norwich so another great fixture run um, and someone who at 72% is going to give you a bit of a differential. Uh, interesting enough, he's the one guy I'm looking at of shifting out for Jesus because I've got Vardy and Abraham and I don't want to shift those players. I've got too much money invested in them now. If I take You've them just out, got too much I can't money, afford yeah. them back. <laughs> I can't afford to buy them back. It's a good problem Scrooge to have. Scrooge yeah. So Jimenez is the only one I'm looking at, but he's also the standout at the moment. So tough decisions, but he'd be the guy I'd go to. There's your three choices, Helen. Jimenez, Willian. And Chilwell are your three potential picks you need to get into your team. One final one, very quickly for you. We've touched on Leicester and we've touched on triple captains already. But Nito Knight wants to know, says, Hi, Kieran. Shall I make Vardy triple captain this weekend or wait? Thanks. Uh, yeah, for the aforementioned reasons, uh, wait. Keep that triple captain until the back end of the season. Um, it's tempting to go for it now because you'll get a jump on everyone else in the league. But God, you'll pay for it. 
Brilliant. Thank you very much, Guru. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fergal, Marley, thank you very much as well. That is it thank for you, Football Social you. Daily. We'll be back tomorrow with a full weekend preview. Click subscribe to the show so you don't miss that episode. See you next time. Have a great weekend. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.